0: again to an Action Church Easter. We are so honored that you chose to worship with us this morning. Uh, I have one goal today, and that goal is to show you, to prove to you, to walk you through some, some principles, some stories, some illustrations, all with the goal of proving to you that Jesus is real, that his life, his death, his resurrection is real, It's tangible, it's practical, and it can and will change your life if you will allow it. It's the best relationship you will ever have. And I wanna remind you that while we're gathering today, what we're celebrating today on this Easter Sunday is not just his life, not just his death, but that he has risen from the grave, and we ascribe to a quote-unquote religion, we follow a central figure in our Jesus that is not dead, that is risen. So we should have more joy, we should have more peace, we should have more to celebrate because who we follow did everything that was foretold, everything that was prophesied. He did everything he said he was going to do. Therefore, in your life and in my life, in your journey and my journey, if we allow him He will be the best relationship that you could ever start or you could ever create, you could ever have. John 20 says this, early on a Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. This is John writing the Gospel of John, calling himself the one whom Jesus loved. He basically said, I'm the favorite. Come on, how many of you in here today are your parents' favorite? Come on, raise your hand. On all occasions, your parents' favorite. If you're raising your hand, you're probably not the favorite because you don't have to announce something that's true. You're projecting. They've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Again, John, just a little full of himself, he stopped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. It's going to be important as we close our time together today that There's a distinction between the linens and the cloth that wrapped Jesus' head. Jesus is who he says he is. He did what he said he was gonna do and he can do it for you as well. He's real. I want you to believe that today. That Jesus is real. He was real back then. He was real for other people and if you will allow him, he will be real to you as well. There's so many things in life that we want to be true. We want to be real but just aren't like like I want it to be real and true I really do I want it to be real and true that working from home would actually be productive but three snacks and four naps later on every zoom call with no pants on come on I want it to be true and real that the Dallas Cowboys will ever win a Super Bowl (laughs) it's funny every service Because you either love them or you love to hate them. It just gets to you every time. I I wish it was real for you. I really do. I wish that exercise infomercials actually worked. Wish you could shake a weight or go on seven-minute abs and and be fixed, but you can't do it because seven-minute abs followed by 70 minutes at a buffet is just never going to work. It's just never going to work. I wish hair restoration was real. My forehead's getting bigger. My hair's getting thinner. I wish I could do a drop or a pill like they show me on Instagram. I, I looked it up one time and they followed me around for the next year and a half. <laughs> wish lightsabers were, were real just because it would be cool. Wish it was real. Some of you wish that your favorite shows were real. I, I love some TV shows. Anybody else, when you watch a TV show, you get so involved that they, you feel like they're your friends and family. Like there's a, there's a, it's like a death in the family when the show ends. You know what I mean? Like you are in a grieving process like I wish John Dutton was real like he's a bad guy you can root for things we wish were real like the WWE like I want it to be real for you guys but it's not in every service I just see faces have been like it's not real you mean men in tights and arenas yelling at each other it's not real I wish it was real that your kids actually enjoyed Disney and Universal it's not real Smiles going in, cries going out, every time. Come on, I'm 38 years old, uh, uh, somewhat of of an ex-athlete, never great, but somewhat athletic, and if I get on a tennis court, a pickleball court, a basketball court, a flag football game, there are things that my mind says that I can do, that my body no longer says, my mind says yes, my body says no, you're not going to make that, you're not going to get that. I wish it was real. I wish it was true that I was still an athlete. I, I wish it was true. I wish it was real that you were actually going to attend church next week. Oh. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> it's funny because it's true. We have to do 17 services because just spread it out a little bit. Come, you know, just a couple times. You're going to come twice a year, maybe, maybe a different weekend. Just kidding. we love that you're here. <laughs> but seriously. Now, real, real questions Real questions in our life that cause us maybe to doubt, maybe to have worry, maybe to have fear, maybe to question God. And what I want to do today is I, I want to help with some of those questions, I want to help with some of those wrestlings. It says this in Mark chapter 9, verse 24 a father is, is going to Jesus. He's in the presence of Jesus. Like we are today, we're in the presence of the living God. Jesus is risen from the grave and you would have access to his presence. This father's in the literal presence of Jesus. He's walking in Mark chapter nine. He brings his son who is tormented with anxiety, depression, manifesting demons. He says, please heal my son, set him free. And Jesus said, all you have to do is believe. The father immediately cries out, he says, I believe. But Lord, help me overcome my unbelief. And that's what today's about. That's what today's Easter Message is about us walking through and wrestling with some unbelief. And before you check out of this service, I want to submit to you that this message is not just for people who don't know Jesus. That Mark 9:24, we could put all of ourselves in that setting, in that phrase. I believe. But if you're really honest with your own journey, all of us, regardless of how long you've been following Jesus have some unbelief, have some doubt, have some fear. I don't know everything, but I know we're all wrestling with things. I I know that there are people here that really believe, don't believe, want to believe, refuse to believe, or just need some help in their seasons of unbelief. The Father cried out, I do believe, help my unbelief. I want you to know today that there are some questions that will never have answers, but there's a solution, and his name is Jesus, that Jesus knows how you feel that he experienced life in such a way that he knows every emotion, every circumstance, everything that you're going through. Hebrews declares that we don't serve a high priest that that just speculates, he empathizes because he lived among us. In fact, I I want you to write this down as the first thing. His, His life is important, not just that he can empathize with you, but it's important theologically that you understand the importance of Jesus' life. Write this down. Jesus' life, his life qualifies him to be in relationship with you, to stand in the gap. His life qualifies him. The theological principle here is the, is the idea of substitution, that, that Jesus, his life qualified him to then die in your place, that he was perfect because you and I never could be that our sin had separated us eternally from God. An unholy group of people could never be reconciled to a holy God, therefore Jesus entered the scene and he lived perfectly so that he could die imperfectly in your place. What do I mean by that? He had to be perfect so that he could take all of your sins, all of your shame, all of my sins, all of my shame and our mistakes. In the Old Testament, they'd have to offer a sacrifice an animal without blemish to take the stains, to take the sins of the people. So Jesus came and entered the scene to be the perfect spotless lamb without blemish so that there could be an exchange that takes place. His, his life, his life qualifies him. First Peter chapter uh, two, verse 22. He never sinned nor deceived anyone. And it's important that he never sinned because you and I did. So therefore, his life lived perfectly allowed him. His life was lived for you, we say all the time here, so that he could qualify for the second one. His death qualifies us. His life qualifies him. His death qualifies us. It's a process of justification by faith. Redemption comes in because his death in your place, his body broken for you, his blood shed for you, doing for you what you could never do for yourself. His death qualifies you. It says this in 2 Corinthians chapter five, for God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. For God made Christ, who never sinned, his life qualified him, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. His death qualifies you. And that's the greatest news in the whole world that you are qualified to be in a relationship with Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one only son that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And that's possible because of his death. A death that you deserved. But we're all made right through Christ. The Bible says no one gets to the Father but through the Son and I'm not an English major, and I'm not a brilliant man, but no one means no one. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter that your wins outweigh your losses, that your good deeds outweigh your mistakes. You can't qualify. You can't even submit an application. You're not qualified. You don't have the degrees. You, don't, you can't even... Be considered apart from Jesus. His death qualifies you. It's the greatest news in the world that his death was died in your place. His death grants us access to salvation, to grace, to mercy, to forgiveness. And I wanna believe, help my unbelief, Jesus did for you what you could never do for yourself. Here's the third one, write this down. His resurrection, his resurrection disqualifies death. His life qualifies him, his death qualifies you, his resurrection disqualifies death and the things that hold us captive in life. Romans chapter six, I believe, says this. Romans chapter six, verse eight through 11 says, and since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead, and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. His life, his death, his resurrection, they mean something. They don't just mean something biblically or historically. They mean something spiritually, personally, relationally, and practically to you and to me. But your relationship status with God will be dictated on how you perceive him, how you look at him. Do you look at him the right way? And I want to submit to you that through the eyes of religion, we will never see the true relational God that we have access to. How do you see God? Do you see him through a religious mindset or through a relational one? A oh, Good Friday, a couple thousand years ago, which is called Good Friday because it was really good for us. It was really terrible for Jesus and hopefully you're familiar with the story, but his body broken, his blood shed, it's not allegory, it's not symbolism. The Bible says he was beaten beyond recognition. That his back was torn apart, that his flesh was ripped and his bones were exposed. Why is that important? Because that's what you and I deserved. Something happened on that day. The ground began to shake. The lights went out. They rushed to the temple, and they see that the veil and the Holy of Holies was torn. There's two perspectives to look at this. We can look at this as the religious leaders did, as the Jewish rabbis did, as God must be so angry at his wrath, at his judgment, at what we did to his his son who claimed to be the Messiah. They, They trembled in fear at the judgment and wrath of God. But if you study the scriptures and you understand the Bible and you understand this God that we serve, when that veil was torn from top to bottom, which no man could do, When that veil was torn, it was not God's wrath or his judgment. It was his invitation. See, what Jesus did is he not only broke the power of sin in the grave, he tore the veil. What does that mean? He made it a way for us to have access to God. Before Jesus, there was a veil. There was the Holy of Holies. There was a priest from the tribe of Levi that would go in and make sacrifices on your behalf and on my behalf. And what Jesus did is he tore the veil, and Jesus is a picture of God's invitation to relationship with him. You have to see it the right way. that we don't walk and in tremble in fear of judgment, we can walk in grace and mercy because that's what's been extended. Now, it's not the day to talk about. It. There will be judgment and wrath for all evil and all those apart from God on the day of judgment, but thank God that's not today right now, the, the offer. Come on, you got two offers. You got grace and mercy now or wrath and judgment later. I'm not a brilliant man. I'm not even overly spiritual man. I would choose the first one, just personally. I don't know you, and you don't know me, but option A is better. You know, three or four years ago, we would have closed service right now. The worship team would have come on, and we would have built into a song, and been really inspirational, because I, I was naive. I was young, 34 years old, and uh and I would just would have believed that you believed it. Come on, the, the message was true, the gospel's true, the Bible was preached, it was real. And I would have just left it right there. But you know, over the last four years, life has changed quite a bit for me and gone through a few things. And what I found is just because it's true doesn't mean that it always feels real. And so I want to make sure that we don't leave this Easter Sunday assuming that we all believe the same thing. Like, I I know what I'm saying is real. Not because uh, I've read it, not because I've preached it, not because I've heard it, but because I've lived it. And I would never pretend to know what you're walking through. I can only assume in a room this size and online, Oviedo and Sanford, that many of you have walked through so much worse than I have. But I can share my story. You know, in fact, one of the most insensitive things you can do when anybody's walking through something painful is compare. Oh, I know what you're going through. No, you don't. If you've been there before, you know how insensitive that is, so I'm not doing that today. I'm just saying, maybe, just maybe, God has given me a, a window maybe to know how you feel, not to know everything that you've walked through, but just wrestle with that doubt, that confusion, that a little bit of unbelief. See, before 2019, it would have been a pretty easy life. At 34 years old, I was dealing with some anxiety and some different pressures and some different thoughts and really praying through it and going to counseling. And it was discovered that from the age of four to seven that I was sexually abused for three and a half years. So I don't know what you're walking through, but I know what it feels like to be taken advantage of. I know what it feels like to be dropped off at a place that's supposed to be safe, but you leave feeling never more alone. I know what it's like to walk through the the grief of, Years of adultery. I know what it's like to have friends that were with you at the top leave you at the bottom. I know what it's like to have COVID take somebody close in your family to walk through cancer diagnosis and treatments, tragedies and families around. And walking through all of that, I feel like it gives a perspective that there's some real concerns, there's some real questions, not only in your life, but in my life. And I'd never pretend to know what you're going through, but I can't imagine getting through it without a relationship with Jesus. I know what I did with Jesus. I can't imagine going through it without him. And I know you're struggling today, but I just believe that God brought you here to let you know that there's a different way, a better way. I know for me, sometimes words from people didn't always, words got here, but they sometimes miss getting here. And so I've asked Pastor Parker to prepare a song because I believe there's some lyrics in this song that spoke to seasons of my life that I could believe that the Holy Spirit's gonna use to speak to seasons maybe that you're walking through today. So let's listen to him as he sings.
1: Sometimes marriages don't work And sometimes babies die Sometimes rehab turns to relapse Leaving everyone asking why And for all the prayers I've prayed I sometimes wonder if He's real If He is, how is He choosing Who He does and doesn't heal tried to run from Jesus, I've started holy wars. I've tried the patient waiting, I've tried kicking down the doors. I've cursed his name in anger, with my fists raised to the sky. In return, all he's ever been is Been the one to light the fuse Then turn around and run I've watched the wreckage in the rear view Of the crooked things I've done And I know that He forgives I just can't seem to forgive myself Can't help but think maybe amazing grace Is for everybody else tried to run from Jesus, I've started holy wars, I've tried the patient waiting, I've tried kicking down the doors, I've cursed his name in anger with my fist raised to the sky, in return, all he's ever been is kind, he's still kind, when the bottom falls out kind when it all burns down kind when i'm struggling to see he's still kind when i scream and yell kind when it hurts like hell more kind than i'd ever dreamed tried to run from Jesus I've started holy wars I've tried the patient waiting I've tried kicking down the doors I've cursed his name in anger as my fists raised to the sky in return all he's ever been his kind He's ever been
0: I never stopped believing that Jesus was real. I never stopped believing the Bible. I never stopped believing that God did what he said he was going to do and can still do it. I don't know about you, but what I wrestled with, I just stopped believing that he could do it for me. Know what the line was for you in the song. Maybe it was the wreckage in the rear view, maybe it was the pain of loss, maybe it was a struggle that you have. But for me, I believed in God's amazing grace. I just didn't believe that it was for my situations personally. Like that it was for somebody else. Because I had questions and I didn't feel like I had answers. Why did this happen to me? Why does it happen to other people? Why are kids abused? Why are marriages destroyed? Why do people die? Why are some people healed and not others? Why is there pain, loss, and grief? Why are all these questions? I had to wrestle and settle with the fact that there may be on this side of eternity just some things that I'm never gonna understand. That he's God and I'm not. And just practically speaking, I've tried a lot of these things, and I'm just, I'd like for you to learn from my experience so you don't have to walk through the, the same seasons I've walked through. Like, I tried to run, I tried to fight. Tried anger, tried apathy. Tried control. Have you ever just been so tired of just trying everything? Can I just speak to somebody today in here in, a different outro, a different room. If you've tried everything else, can I just ask you to try Jesus? I promise you that no matter your actions, your inactions, or your created distractions, Jesus will never change, Jesus will never fail, and Jesus will never let you down. What will his response be? You don't know what I've done. You don't know what's happened. He's not overwhelmed by what you've done, and he's not overwhelmed by what happened to you. Anything you give him, he can handle. What will he say? We may run, kick, yell, scream, but when we return, he is waiting with open arms. God, I don't understand this. Son, daughter, you're never going to. I need you to trust. I need you to know that you don't have to walk through it alone. When you've tried everything else, try trust. But pastor, the pain is so real, I get it. I promise you, if we talked one-on-one, I will never understand what you walked through, but I can understand how you feel. I can understand those emotions and those doubts. The pain is real. But I promise you, peace can be your new reality. But that only comes through relationship with Jesus. How? What will he say? What do I do? The Bible says God's kindness leads us to repentance. Kindness is available. Grace is available. Mercy is available, but it requires repentance. To release the direction we're walking, to release the anger, to release the control, and then to return to Jesus. Once we return, we receive. We confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, and we give him that place. We give him that control over our life, and we will be saved. All who believe will be saved. All who call on the name of Jesus will be saved. I don't have answers to your situation, but I do have a solution for your eternal problem. And his name is Jesus. His life qualifies him. His death qualifies you. His resurrection disqualifies death and the things you're struggling with. There's power in the empty tomb. There's power in our risen Savior. I want to bring out a detail as we close today. Put the John 20 on the screen. Then Simon Peter, he arrived and he went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there. While the cloth, the cloth that had covered Jesus' head, was folded up, lying apart from the other wrappings. So what had wrapped his body was in one place, in one distinction, and what had wrapped his head was folded neatly. Jesus being the head of the church, Jesus being the head, it was wrapped neatly enfolded. I missed that my whole Christian journey. As we were preparing for this Easter Sunday, I missed that detail. What did that mean? I just read through it. Power in the empty grave, and there is. Power, there is the risen Savior, and it is. That is the main point, but there's a detail here that I feel like God needs you to get for your situation. The folded cloth that would have wrapped his head had a symbolism that is powerful. When the head of a household in Jewish culture, the Lord of the house would would sit at the head of the table, be surrounded by his family and friends. We talked last week about how the table, a dinner table, was a covenant moment for this culture. When that would happen, as it got towards the end of dinner, If the head of the household, the Lord of the house, needed to get up for any reason, to go and run an errand, to have a private conversation, to run to the restroom, there were one of two things he would do. He would either throw his cloth on the table, which signified that dinner was over, that the meal was done, that this covenant moment had finished, But if he folded the cloth and laid it down, it meant nobody move, nobody leave, Nobody is excused because the head of the house, the Lord of the house is not finished with that moment yet. He is not finished with that situation yet. And I don't know how you came today, why you came today, but to hear this, God is not done. It may feel like he's walked away. It may feel like he has left. It may feel like he is finished with your situation, but the napkin, the cloth is folded. There is something going to happen. What is it? I have no idea, but I do know this. Romans 8 says this, For God works all things together for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. The reason we don't understand everything is it's not our purpose, it's his purpose. But he, if you love him in relationship with him and have submitted to his purpose, he's working all things together for the good. That means if it's not good, he's not done. And I don't know if it's this week, next week, next year, or in your day of eternity, but I do know that you trusting God with every situation will produce a more fruitful, joyful, peaceful life than anything else. He's not done. Jesus is not done theologically. He's coming back, but not as a servant He's coming back as a conquering king and if he can come back and conquer hell, death, and the grave and conquer the whole world and all the evil in it, he can conquer your situation. He is powerful enough to be victorious and he is good enough and loving enough to let you be a part of the process. Real questions, no real answers, but I do offer a solution. That solution is Jesus. Jesus forgives what you could never forget. Jesus heals the thing that is still haunting you. The breaking of Jesus in this holy week leads to the breakthrough that you need. I don't know how you live without hope. If you've ever experienced anything in that song or anything in this life, I don't know how you live without hope, and hope only comes through a relationship with Jesus. I believed it my whole life. As a kid growing up in church, I believed that Jesus was real. A little boy believed it, but a man walking through pain and trauma knows it. You don't have to walk through what you're walking through alone, but you do have to release it and give him access. And I want to give you that option today to make a decision to follow Jesus. We do this every Easter. We close service with that response card. If you could get that out across all of our locations, if you could get out that response card right now. Come on, everybody, grab that pen, grab that response card. It's a spiritual survey in the back. A, B, C, or D. And that's for everybody in this room. I'd love for everybody to check one of those boxes today. Let's walk through it quickly. A is I'm already in a real relationship with Jesus. We thank God for that. We praise God for that. If you've accepted Jesus today, it was a day of celebration for the family of God. Thank you for joining us. But what are you doing with that relationship? Are you cultivating it? And is it producing anything? If you've received salvation, there's no way. If you receive the grace of Jesus that you're not spending the rest of your life making sure as many people find out about it and get connected to a local life-giving church. It doesn't have to be here. Honestly, don't care where it is as long as it's Bible-believing, life-giving, and somewhere you can use your gifts for the glory of God and the benefit of others. Just find somewhere. I'm already a Christian. Make sure that your life proves that. Here's a second one. B. I'm beginning a real relationship with Jesus. I'm beginning a real relationship with Jesus. That's why we gathered today. For those of you that needed to understand his life, his death, his resurrection, that he's real and he can be real to you. Others of you are gonna check that B box because you're beginning again. I don't know if you've walked through something that's caused you to stray, caused you to doubt. You wanted to believe. Maybe you did believe before, but something has caused some unbelief, and today is a day of recommitment, reestablishing your relationship with Jesus. Here's the next one, C. I'm considering. I'd like to consider it a bit more first, and that's fine. If that's you today, consider away. Drink the mediocre coffee, pack, park in the packed parking lots, drop your kids off for free childcare every single week. We'll be right here. You don't have to believe everything we believe to belong at Action Church. Just stay here and consider a way. Here's the fourth, and I'll take some courage, some boldness. It's D. I don't ever intend to make that decision. And that's okay. We're not gonna call you or bother you. We are gonna let you know that we noticed you were here. And I'll make you this promise. And hold us to it. If you're ever walking through anything, and the people around you, your family, your friends, that you thought were for you or not, and you find yourself alone, hurting, lost, depressed, anxious, overwhelmed, wherever you are, reach out and say, hey, I'm so-and-so. I checked D a few years ago, and the pastor promised that the church would be there for me, and I promise you we will be. You don't have to be a member. You don't have to serve or give. If you need help, our answer is yes. Check that box and let us know if we can ever serve you or help you. I wanna pray for all the Bs. Check the B box at all of our locations. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes and pray this in your heart as I pray it out loud. Say this, say, God, I love you. And God, I thank you for saving me. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. And I'm saved only by your grace. And I am confessing with my mouth and I'm believing in my heart that you, Jesus, are Lord. God, have your way in my life. I repent. I release. I surrender. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. It is in Jesus' name we pray everybody at Action Church said amen and amen. Church, can we celebrate all the decisions that were just made? Come on, really celebrate them.